Radical Life. Rick and Robin here again today, and Robin wanted me to talk today about Teen Rescue. Yes. You know, I would say if it weren't for her, we would not talk about Teen Rescue as much. Because for me, 40 years ago, Teen Rescue started in the middle of a high school parking lot on top of a little orange Volkswagen and a guitar and part of one song. Seriously, right. I kid you not. <laughs> I literally knew just part of one song that worked for the situation. Uh, I think I could play Kumbaya. It just didn't seem to to be the, the song on top of the little orange Volkswagen in the middle of a high school parking lot with seventh graders, junior hires, Kumbaya wasn't middle schoolers, do it. Yeah. and senior high kids, you know, driving through in their blue GTO. And, you know, it just... It it kumbaya or maikuro your boda just didn't rock. Right. You know, not that I was looking for any Nugent or anything like that to, to play for. Actually, it would have been awfully cool if I could have played some Nugent uh, or something else, you mm-hmm. know, rock and roll. But you know, I just knew part of one song, and so seriously, I sat on top of my orange Volkswagen with my guitar playing this one song, part of a song. I didn't even know the whole song. I just knew kind of the intro to it. Right. Enough to to hook them, I guess, if you want to use that analogy. If you're out fishing you know, and you want to catch something, well, I wanted to yeah, You want to talk. get their attention. I did. I wanted to get their attention. I wanted to talk to them. Something was on my heart. Something was in my mind. Something I wanted to do. I was 20 years old, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to work with young people. Here I am, a young person. <laughs> How old are you? 20. Okay. And I wanted to work with young people. You know, I saw kids, you know, 7th through 12th grade as being like, Felt like they were a decade younger than me. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like my generation, the twenty-year-olds. <laughs> you know, I'm talking to an eighteen-year-old, and I'm saying my generation, as if his is a different generation than mine. Right. You know, but that's you know when you're, especially when you're younger. That when you're younger, thirty-five, forty-year-old people like seem old. They're like very old. Yeah. You know, Fifty, sixty. 70-year-olds, oh. you know, they're like Your older. grandparents' age, they're right? Biting the far- they're mm-hmm. buying the farm. You know, <laughs> they're just older than old. And and you're 75, 80. You're just, you're ancient of days. Yeah. Older than dirt. Although 75 and 80-year-olds are doing pretty good nowadays. They actually were doing pretty good in those days, too. It's just the perspective of a 20-year-old. Right. Everybody, I mean, they were just old. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started, on top of that little orange Volkswagen, in the middle of a high school parking lot guitar part of a song seventh grader comes you know bicycling in group of kids walk across the street from the burger king walk right up to my little orange volkswagen two senior boys in a blue gto come you know peeling into the parking lot screeching right up to my little orange volkswagen that's that's how i remember the night because that was the three very distinct groups of kids that that i talked to you know throughout the evening now since then it has is that has done something very exponential. It has grown. It grew, and, and uh, you know, I was eventually went from that parking lot to inside the school to eventually inside the classroom of that school, and then other schools heard about what I was doing, invited me to their school. I was in their classrooms. I was in their auditorium, gymnasium. I was, you know, invited in to bring the guitar and the part of one song that I knew. And just talk to the young people. You all know, by yourself all at this All by myself. Yeah. I was that first, you know, those first schools that I did, I was it was me up there with my guitar and just doing the talk, just sharing my heart and 
letting them ask questions. That was a big part of the time that was spent okay. you know, with them. Was After I'd talk a while, a lot of times I didn't even have to ask, do you have any questions? I didn't have to ask it. The hands would go up before I could even ask the question because I'd get into the talk and they would be just, they would be engaged in the stories and the talk I was given. They'd be engaged, to, you know, where they, they wanted to ask a question. Even in an orientarium Big, big setting. setting. There could be a thousand kids and they still wanted to ask questions. Now, huh. that was not my plan. That was not yeah. my format. I never ever went into a big setting like that thinking I better give time for questions. I like that for more of the small classroom setting. I worked up to asking them if they had any questions. Okay. But in the big setting, in the big you know auditorium, gymnasium setting, no, we just we really kept it on edge to where you know we were presenting. Whether it be a song, whether it be a story, we were doing the presenting, and then they knew that following this assembly, as they called it, the high school assembly, that what would follow is, is workshops, small classroom settings where they were going to get to meet all the band members. They're going to get to hear the band members' stories. So that's really, that's again, that's how it started. May of 1980, in the middle of a high school parking lot, suburb of Minneapolis. And as I began to travel, uh, I'll never forget the first person that I took with me. His name was Gino. And to this day, I can't say the name Gino without saying this phrase, Gino Bambino, the beatbox king, he's got rhythm in his walk and rhythm in his swing. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, eventually somebody wrote a, wrote a song, they wrote a rap with that line. In okay. It. And so, I, you know, again, I Did can't. Did you make that up? I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't make up. If it sounds cool or not. Yeah, yeah, no, trust me, I didn't. Well, then not. who did make that? Well, that, that was that was, made, that was written by a young man who eventually ended up also traveling with Team Rescue, oh, okay. starting his own band called The Emergency Crew, Okay. Um, a very rap rock group. Mm -hmm. uh, that was Eric, Eric okay. Holmberg. Okay. But Gino was the first that I ever had in the van with me, and I'll never forget driving across South Dakota with Gino, and we we're on our way to speak at a high school. Mm -hmm. He's he's my helper. I mean, he was carrying the equipment. He was running the sound while standing up front, you know. Um, he was taking care of the microphone and the guitar hookup. Well, that was nice. Was it ever nice? It was. Just, Did he offer to do he that? He offered to do that. He okay. asked if he could come and help me, you know, and just I think of those early days of Teen Rescue where – Basically, I was in you know schools number like three, four, and five. Oh, I remember, all right. I yeah. remember got, going out doing school you know number one all by myself. Just it was just me. Okay. And but when I got up to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know numbers of schools that I'd done. By this time, Gino was with me. Okay. And he was a young man. He probably was. I would say he was four years, probably younger than me. Three, four years younger. All right. You know, of course, because I was probably twenty. Seven. At that time, he felt like he was a. It felt like he was a decade younger than me. Uh, but again, as I look back on it, he, probably three, four years is all. He had already graduated from uh, college. From college. From okay. college. So he had to be and twenty-two at he, least. At least. And we're driving down the. He's driving my my van down the road, and I'm sitting over there, and you know, in the passenger seat, just kind of doing the doing what I do when I travel. I'm penning out things and. Uh, back in that day, we weren't on our cell phones, and we weren't, you know, right. Googling mm -hmm. on our smartphones, and we definitely did not have a laptop keeping notes or writing letters or doing whatever. Yeah. It, it was literally a, a notebook and a pen. 
the notebook, pen, and the Bible. I mean, that's what I had. That would have been the whole of my arsenal in my toolbox called the briefcase. And, I, and yeah. I had a leopard. I had a, a snakeskin briefcase, which you still have. Uh, which I still have. Oh, I love thing. that thing. Yeah. So you know, that would have been my desk. I put that on my lap, so that's my desk. I pull up my Bible, pull up my notebook, and I just start taking notes. I'd just be preparing for different talks that I had coming up that week. But what I'll never forget about Gino was our conversation that day led to him asking me the question, how do you know if you are called? Hmm. Hmm. I probably never had that, never had that question asked of me before in my life. I highly doubt I spoke on it in any of my, you know, youth rallies, youth group meetings, concerts. I highly doubt I ever referred to calling, the word calling or the called or being called to do the work. But that was the first time. And of course, in every question, you know, I'm asked, first thing I do is I just say, Holy Spirit, what's the answer? What do I say? And that was during a time of my life where I just, I felt like I, I needed to find, I needed to have an answer. I just seriously had, felt like I needed to have an answer for everything that was asked of me or else, you know, I was left looking like the idiot. Mm-hmm. So that really caused for a dependence of a fear, fear God, a dependence upon hearing the Holy Spirit. Back in those days, I, I would never have said, you know, I don't know, but let me let me do a little research. <laughs> right. Let me Google that, you know. <laughs> I, I would I've never have. I don't think I would have ever have done something like that. I just literally just relied on the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, what's the answer to this? And I remember as I sat there in that uh, passenger seat going down Highway 12, you know, as we're coming up on Aberdeen, South Dakota, I remember saying to Gino, ring, ring. Ring, ring. That's what ring, came to your mind? Ring. That's what came to my mind. So I said it. Ring, ring. He looked at me real weird. Don't blame him. (laughs) He didn't say a word. He just looked at me weird. I said again, ring, ring. He said, "Uh, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, that's kind of what you're asking me. You're asking me, how do you know if you're called? Called. And I said to him, you know you're called when somebody calls you. I was calling him. Ring, ring. It was a telephone. Okay. I mean, everybody's a little out of sorts right now because our phones don't go ring, ring, <laughs> ring, ring anymore. They they make, uh, you know, buzz, the, buzz, buzz, now, buzz, maybe. buzz, you know, vibrate, vibrate, you know. I mean, our phones do everything but ring, ring. Yes. So I said to him, somebody's got to call you. I said, so... When somebody calls you, Gino, what do you do? He says, well, I, I pick up the phone. I pick up the rec- I, you know, Yeah, you do. So go ahead. Ring, ring. And he literally reached out into the middle of the console there of the van, reached out, grabbed, you know, what was definitely a fake or a imaginary, you know, receiver right. for the phone. And he brought it up to his head. And I go, Gino, this is Rick. Would you help me? He got it. Mm. He got it. He answered the call. We went back home. He started to make plans for how he could do what we were doing more. Asked his boss for time off. Boss gave it to him. One step led to another, led to another. Next thing you know, he's full-time. He is full-time with Teen Rescue. He's my first full-time on-the-road guy. 
Now, when we're traveling, you find out a lot of people, a lot about people when you spend hours next to somebody in a van. Yes. You know, eventually in a hotel room or in a, a home where you're staying, because you're out on the road at that point. We're out on the road sometimes for days. I even remember one trip that he and I took to uh, Seattle, Washington, and to north of there into Canada, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And we spent time, two weeks together. Traveling across the country, speaking in high schools, speaking at a youth conference in, in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Oh, you traveled far. We did. Uh, spoke at a church in Seattle, spoke in Vancouver. We spent a lot of time together. I mean, we're talking hour upon hour, days upon days. And eventually, you know what I found out? He was a drummer. Oh. Yeah, I didn't meet Gino as a drummer. I didn't see him in a, in a rock show. I didn't see him at church. I didn't see him playing drums. I just found out he was a drummer. So, the band begins. Here we go. We start with a so you and him a now. guitar and a drum. Where did you get the drum set? Well, his own. That's the funny. We didn't have a set. We oh, did not have a drum okay. set. We had a drum machine. It was a little tiny box, about six inches by six inches by about two inches deep, and it hooked up to the sound system. He plugs it in and he programs it, or he sits there and he, he hits the the kick with his thumb and he hits the. Tom with his with his pointer finger and, and he I mean he plays the drums by a little thing called the drum machine and that was it that's how we started <laughs> people to know daddy saved my soul you know just that's how it started cool Gino Bambino the beatbox king rhythm in his walk rhythm in his swing uh-huh. so when it comes to calling though here are some things that I would like to just share off, off the top of my head that I know about the call. And that is, first of all, there's a work that you're called to do. God doesn't call you to nothing. He doesn't call you out to send you out to do nothing. But there's, first of all, there's a work for you to do. So if you're out there, you're listening, and you're wondering, what's this call thing all about? Well, first of all, re- realize there's a, there's a work. You're going to be working. You are going to work. You're going to work like you've never worked before. You're going to work. You're not going to punch a clock in God's economy, in God's field of work. You are going to be working. Second of all, there's a way. Okay. First thing is there's a work. Right. Second of all, there's a way that he calls us to do the work. There's a way, specific way. In the Bible verse that comes to my mind when I think of the way that he calls us to work is Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That is how we are to do the work. That is the, the way that we are to work. Yes. First of all, we got to work. Second of all, he's shown us the way to work. And thirdly, last of all, who is it that he has called to work for him? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.10, he is called the saved. Mm-hmm. And he has called the saved to a holy life. The word holy does not mean what most people think it means, and it does not at all mean for you to put on sackcloth and ashes. You can do it if you want. Go ahead, sackcloth and ashes it up. That's fine. There's a time, there's a place. But that's not how he's called you. He's called you to a holy life, which means separate. He has called you to separate. You're going to have to be separate or different. Radical. He's called you to a radical life. So, he's called you to a work. He's called you to a certain way to do that work. And he's called who? He is called the saved. If you're listening to me today and you're saved, you know 
that you are saved beyond the shadow of a doubt. I'm telling you right now, you're called. Mm. And you're called to a holy work, a separate work. He has saved us, the Bible says, called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, it says in 2 Timothy. That leads to a radical life. You've just listened to Rick Moe talk about teen rescue. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with your friends and family. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to hear from you. The best way to reach us would be to give us a comment on Facebook or maybe send us an email at rickandrobinmoe at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions you'd like us to share on future Teen Rescue podcasts. You can also download all of our podcasts on Spotify. Just download the app for Spotify and search for Radical Life Support. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll talk to you soon. Woo! Radical.